Back up top, shot through traffic, save made, follow-up try, that one hits a body in front, and a score! It's a score! It's a score! And the Ice Bears have a 4-3 lead with 30 seconds remaining in the hockey game! Oh, what a hit! Welcome to the SPHL in Knoxville! Comes in on the right side, through the right circle, taking it and fed across, they score! Welcome in to the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast. My name is Joel Silverberg. I appreciate you taking the time to listen to the KIB podcast, whether you are doing so on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Thank you for taking the time to listen to the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast. There is a lot to talk about after two weeks into the season. There are some interesting results, I think, from across the rest of the league. Obviously, it's still way too early to tell how the season is going to shape up. But I think when you look at how some of these early results have fared so far, especially with a lot of teams having new looks, new identities, and obviously that that's the case for most teams on a year-to-year basis. Obviously, you have certain teams that have very consistent rosters and long-term coaches, but I think it is very interesting about how the early matchups can make you think, hey, maybe this will look very different this year and it won't necessarily be the same three teams taking the top three spots in the President's Cup playoffs by the time we get to that point in the season. But sometimes it can work out like that, and then other teams can surprise you. So we'll talk a lot about all of that as we recap the past weekend and look ahead to what's coming up. Starting with the Ice Bears, obviously not the weekend that anybody in Knoxville was hoping for in 11 to nothing double shutout weekend at the hands of Birmingham. Uh, Knoxville really struggled to possess the puck offensively. The Ice Bears are now 0 for 11 on the power play. They gave up two shorthanded goals on the weekend and were outshot 95 to 37 in two games on Friday and Saturday and a home and home against the Birmingham Bulls. And while Birmingham, obviously a very good hockey team, a talented team with a good roster that I think obviously, you know, they're missing a couple of pieces from last year's team that went to the President's Cup playoffs, but I thought they added some nice pieces with uh, Drake Glover. I thought he was a really big offseason acquisition. And then it appears that Keyshawn Gervais, obviously with the week that he had against the Ice Bears with two goals on Friday and then a hat trick on Saturday. And then I, I like, you know, some of these guys like Nikita Kozarev, I, I think is a really good skater. I think he goes from end to end really well and has a lot of speed and, uh, just always seems to be in a place where he can go and possess the puck very well. Now, obviously, in a weekend where Knoxville did not play its best hockey, it's can still be a little bit too early to say, oh, well, we, we don't want to make any assertions too quickly. But I do think that there have been some really nice additions to this Birmingham team. But also, they struggled a little bit in their opening weekend. They lost a game in which they outshot their opponents 44-22, to and only scored one goal, and then they gave up seven goals in a loss to Pensacola. So obviously Birmingham had some things that it wanted to iron out from week one to week two, and it certainly looks like it did that in two wins against Knoxville. Hayden Stewart had two really good nights in net, but also goes far to say, though, that Knoxville did not force Stewart to stop a high volume of grade-A chances. And and honestly, between two games, 37 shots total is not really a high volume of shots entirely and the coaching staff knows that and the players know that and management knows that and so obviously some things need to be corrected in a hurry for Knoxville that is 
not the weekend anybody was expecting considering the circumstances of the first weekend. Obviously, on paper, two losses to Macon, a team that didn't make the playoffs last year, that doesn't look ideal. I think we all knew that Macon was going to be better. And both of those losses were games that were tied going into the third period. The 7-2 loss on opening night is so weird at the time because the players had to get up at 4.45 in the morning. They had to load the bus at 6, ended up not being able to get a morning skate, and then ended up getting to the rink a little bit later than anticipated in the afternoon. Everything just felt really rushed. And then on Saturday night, you think, okay, we lost a goaltender's duel. It happens. So the thought process was going into this week that, Guys were going to be better. Defense was going to play a little bit more consistently like it did in that Saturday game against Macon, especially with the home opener. Guys not having to get on the bus that morning. That didn't happen at all. Knoxville really struggled to produce quality chances. Knoxville didn't have a ton of odd man rushes. And you've got just a handful of reasons as to why things went sideways the way that they did in two games against the Bulls. And so for Knoxville... Changes have already been made. You had two players cut and two new players signed on Monday. And I would imagine that the coaching staff is working on how it can make the roster better. They are still dealing with some logistical challenges for a couple of players that were signed over the offseason that have not been able to make it to Knoxville yet. So that's also something to keep in mind that you know the current roster is not necessarily fully comprised of guys that were inked over the summer. And so obviously you have pieces that you can work with. I think Knoxville fans know what Christian Stead is capable of in net. I, I think Zane Steves, in, in his defense, you know, despite the the six goal against showing on Saturday, I don't think all six of those goals were on him. I also think if you're going to get outshot forty to uh, fifty five to nineteen, it's hard to fault your goalie when he makes only forty nine saves. Um, and, and, you know, obviously it, not that it really made a difference in the game, but you know, the jumbotron showed the fourth goal of the game scored by Kozarev appeared to hit the crossbar and bounce out. And Steve's was pretty adamant to referee Sean Hoppy that the goal shouldn't have counted. Now it ultimately doesn't make a difference in that particular game. But I think for what Knoxville has, you have some pieces that you can work with. You have a, a seasoned veteran in Jason price on your blue line. You have Seth Enzer, a guy that's played in this league for a couple of years and, knows how to play with Price as well. And obviously Brady Florent, Cam Huff, to just to name a couple of guys who are obviously very talented, very speedy on the outside, both have good shots, but you can't shoot the puck if you don't have the puck. And that was one thing that Birmingham did a really good job of all weekend was extending possessions in the offensive zone. If Birmingham missed a shot, they were chasing pucks down and winning wall battles to keep the puck in the zone. Knoxville was forced to do a lot of chip and charge, a lot of flip dumps and you don't possess the puck for extended periods of time when that happens. So Birmingham did an excellent job of taking Knoxville off of its game, and Knoxville needs to try to improve things a little bit against a Fayetteville team, which on opening night looked like it was going to be a, a potentially a long season for the Marksmen. They they were shut out by Roanoke four to nothing, and then ever since then they take Roanoke to overtime the following night, and then they go down to Georgia and sweep two games against Macon. On the road, and when you look at this Fayetteville roster that Ryan Crothers has put together, there's not a whole lot of returning guys that were a part of the core the previous season that played the majority of the year. But there are a lot of guys that joined the marksmen towards the end of last season that have returned to Fayetteville this year. So Crothers didn't entirely start from scratch, 
and he's got some skilled players. There's a good handful of former Division I players on there. There are some seasoned guys that have spent a decent amount of time in the ECHL. Brian Moore was just put on the IR. Obviously, everybody knows his resume, how talented he is, a significant amount of time in the AHL, and obviously the Coast, um, and has played a significant amount of games in Fayetteville. So there are there are players on that roster that have shown a lot of talent, and it seems like Ryan Crothers has done a nice job so far in the early goings of the season. So that's not going to be an easy weekend for Knoxville, and Ice Bears have to figure out how to generate some sort of scoring. You're talking now about a goal drought that extends over seven periods. Uh, Knoxville has not scored a goal since I believe about five and a half, six minutes into the second period of its second game of the season. So it's a it's a concern when you're talking about a team that has been shut out twice in back-to-back games after being shut out twice in the previous two seasons combined. In Jeff Carr's final season, there was the 2 to nothing shutout loss on Halloween against Huntsville where I think Knoxville hit the post two or three times in that game and Max Molosic had a really nice night in net, stopped some great A chances. And uh, then last season, it was... I believe it was December 4th against Fayetteville at Crown Coliseum. Uh, Justin McDonald was unavailable. Brady Florent was unavailable. Kyler Matthews was unavailable. Several other players were uh, playing with flu-like symptoms as the, the you know illness had kind of been going through the locker room. Uh, myself and assistant coach Andrew Harrison didn't even make the trip because of illness. Um, I actually had food poisoning. Um, I didn't have the flu, but um, so, uh, but that was a three nothing shutout loss to Fayetteville on the road, um, where Knoxville was, you know, playing with a sh- a bit of a shorter lineup, and uh, so it, you see those sort of shutouts were uh, or there were certain circumstances that contributed to that. Knoxville was really outplayed for 120 minutes in two games on Friday and Saturday, and I, I don't want to give away too many details of what happens behind closed doors within the organization, but what I can say is. As soon as we got back on the bus in Birmingham to go back to Knoxville, the coaching staff is immediately talking about how do we fix this? We're, we need to fix it, and then here's how we're going to do it. So the question was asked, and then a solution's presented, and then immediately you know, guys are picking up phones, sending text messages, trying to communicate with players, and that's how James Farmer and Davis Kirkendall end up in Knoxville and you know two players were cut Gregory Felder and Gavin Yates were informed on Monday morning that they were going to be released um, and that hit the waiver wire on Monday afternoon so it is you know obviously it's not just a matter of two players that are going to turn the season around but if you see issues within your lineup that get to the point where changes need to be made the coaching staff is doing everything I can they can so you know there, there certainly is no complacency um, players are frustrated that they're losing. Um, captains believe that the team should be performing better, and the coaching staff believes that the team should be performing better. So uh, it, it is not a matter of you know, there's no belief within the coaching staff that you know things can stay the same and that everything's going to be fine. the The coaching staff is working hard on you know building the roster to maximize its ability to get back on the winning track. And so, understandably. Fans are upset. If you're a Knoxville fan listening to this podcast, you are probably not happy right now. And nobody's happy in the organization. Obviously, you've got uh, people in the front office that have non-hockey operations jobs that they have to work on with promotions and ticketing and 
things of that nature. And so, you know, their job, their primary job is to focus on making sure that tickets are still being sold and that you know, social media is getting done and that promotions are being taken care of and, you know, national anthem singers and things like that are, are all being attended to. But at the end of the day, everybody in the organization wants the team to win. And so when that's not happening, yeah, we still go out and try to execute, you know, the promotions and the entertainment value of it outside of all that to the degree that we can. And on the home opener, I think, you know, the staff did a great job at doing that. You know, the promotions were executed well. We had a specialty jersey. I think the jerseys came out looking really sharp, and it's just unfortunate that we couldn't get a win. You know, Tony Vitello coming in and reading the lineup beforehand, dropping the puck, Smokey, and everybody represented from the University of Tennessee always do a great job whenever we host all Vol Night or Welcome to Hockey Top. So it's always a great time, but we also understand that fans want to watch a winner. So there's, you know, there's two sides uh, to everything that gets poured into it. But right now the hockey operation staff is doing everything it can to make sure that the hockey operation side of it is being taken care of. And it understands that right now it's not. And management understands that things need to change and that there's been communication between management and the coaching staff about how the product needs to improve. And so head coach Brent Clark and assistant coach Andrew Harrison, they're not sitting at home doing nothing. They are actively working on trying to find a solution. And you know, the good news is, is that Knoxville still has 52 games to do that in the regular season. And it's also a eight team playoff field in a 10 team league. So while an Owen four start is not ideal, um, you know, it's, it's officially the worst start in franchise history for Knoxville. There is also a lot of time and, slightly more room for error to write the ship before the end of the season as opposed to you know, the ECHL, the AHL, the NHL, where it's a fewer percentage of teams that make the postseason and you're a little bit more restricted on what you can do necessarily to change the roster. So I think in Knoxville's case, it's it's a matter of moving forward, trying to take that next step and trying to hit the reset button for when Fayetteville comes to Knoxville this Friday night. And it's a Fayetteville team that's playing very well. They're 2-0-1 in their last three games. And Knoxville is, you know, right now in a situation where it feels like it it needs to get a win. It just wants to generate some offense. And I think the players understand that they really want to push forward and try to make something happen this weekend. So, yeah, every weekend's a big weekend in the SPHL, especially when you look at a season like last year where there was that logjam of teams in third through seventh place where – you know, Knoxville was two wins away from being in third and instead ended up as the sixth seed. And so there's always that, you know, one weekend that you can look back on and think, man, we really lost an opportunity there, but it also doesn't have to define your season if you can turn things around. So obviously Knoxville is looking forward to a home and home series against Fayetteville. Uh, the Ice Bears and the Marksmen actually play each other a significant amount of times this year, uh, more so than they have in seasons past. So it, it's going to be nine meetings between the two teams. Four will be in Knoxville. Five will be in North Carolina. Uh, but, you know, other than Roanoke, Knoxville does not play anybody more than Fayetteville. The next closest team is Macon with eight matchups and then Birmingham and Huntsville with six each. So Knoxville will host everybody. It will go everywhere except Peoria. Peoria comes to Knoxville for three games. That is the only three scheduled meetings between the Ice Bears and the Rivermen. But the expectation is to be better. And so Knoxville is going to try to do that this Friday and Saturday against uh, what appears to be a pretty talented team that Ryan Crothers has put together over with the Fayetteville Marksmen. So as we look at what's been going on around the rest of the league I think it's interesting to see how 
Obviously, Roanoke has been really, really solid. Birmingham has seemed to right the ship after a tough opening weekend. Fayetteville seems to be a, a team that has uh, played well after a, a tough opening night. Macon seems improved with two competitive losses to Fayetteville at home. Now, I'm sure that Nick Niedert is thinking of how he can improve his team as, as the Mayhem get ready to move forward into this weekend as they head to Evansville. Evansville's only played two games. They've scored two goals. Um, so Jeff Best probably wanting to improve the offense as well. Uh, but they've also lost to two teams that are towards the top of the leaderboard. Evansville lost a low-scoring game to Huntsville and then a one-sided loss on Friday to Peoria on the road. Peoria, despite some of the losses that they had over the offseason, obviously the sudden reemergence of Alec Hageman definitely injected life into the locker room, I would imagine. And Peoria has ported on a couple of times against some opponents already. That 6-1 to win on Evansville, but then on Sunday an 8-2 to win on the road at Quad City. So it, it appears that Peoria continues to you know, take advantage of its situation and is playing really well. The Rivermen are 3-0. and They are the only undefeated team remaining in the SPHL. Huntsville and Roanoke both took uh, post-regulation losses over the weekend. Roanoke losing 2-1 to on the road to Quad City. Um, that's a long trip to make for Roanoke. So they they went up to Moline and they got the split. And then for Huntsville, it lost in a shootout to Pensacola on the road on the back end of a home-and-home. Home. So Huntsville beat Pensacola the night before and then lost in a shootout on the road. And I think Pensacola is a team that feels like it has some talent. Obviously, Garrett Milan was the runner-up to the MVP award last year. Um, and... They've got a new coach. It's a new era. So I think everybody's excited about, hey, the you know one of our former championship winning head coaches is back. I think that makes a lot of intrigue for fans. And of course, Pensacola is a really, uh, it's a cool atmosphere to play. And I've said that before on the podcast, but it can be a tough place to play when the fans really get going. So it, across the board, I think you see a lot of teams that pose a lot of potential. Knoxville obviously has a lot of work to do to get things turned around. Um, you know, let's see if Quad City can kind of, bounce back a little bit from, you know, the the drubbing that it took at the hands of Peoria, but I would also say at the same time that, you know, you look at teams like Roanoke and Huntsville. Huntsville's really interesting because it lost Cy Nutkovich, Jacob Barber, Tyler Piacentini, and Rob Dara, and then it, you know, it's it's three best goalies from last season, Max Milosic, Nick Latinovich, Hunter Vorva. All three of those guys are gone. And so it has found a way to play really good hockey with Matt Pettizian and Brian Wilson. And they've both separately have put up some really solid performances already. Um, you know, Huntsville has not given up more than two goals through regulation in a single game all season. So defensively, you know, Huntsville's kind of getting back to what it was about four years ago, where you still had that core of forwards that could generate the offense that you needed. But with, you know, Nolan Kaiser and, Pat Condon and Peter Sakala, you know, they had, a, they had a defensive core that was there for a really long time where they, they had maybe four or five guys that were all there like for two, three years or more. Derek Pearl was a part of that group as well. So, you know, the culture with Stuart Stefan taking over for Glenn DeTulio and obviously DeTulio is still very involved in the organization. The, the culture appears to be the same where Huntsville is going to continue to find ways to have success. And, Right now, the Havoc are off to a really good start. And so you've got three teams, Roanoke, Huntsville, and Peoria, three teams that all finished in the top four in the regular season standings last year. 
um, and all three teams that were semifinalists or better in the postseason last year that have yet to lose a game in regulation. And then you have really intriguing teams such as Pensacola, Birmingham, and Fayetteville and Macon that are all taking up that middle of the pack. And, you know, with Evansville, I think the jury is still too early to tell. Quad City, you know, returned some talent, and I think they've got good leadership up there, but it's also a matter of, okay, is there going to be offense to generate some help for a goalie like Kevin Resop, who had a phenomenal season individually last year, but it wasn't enough to get the storm into the postseason? So, again, at the end of the day, still way too early to tell. I mean, through about a month into the season last year, Quad City was first place in the league, ended up missing the playoffs entirely. So there are always factors that go into, over the course of the season, injuries, call-ups, uh, roster attrition for a number of different ways, You know, which teams get on, get hot at the right time. And so for Knoxville, it's you know trying to find its offense and take that first step and then trying to get back in the win column for the first time this season. So there's obviously a lot to unpack over the course of the next several weeks. Knoxville has a, a really big November. You've got this home-and-home home against Fayetteville, and then you have a three-game road trip that's going to be really, really tough. You have to go to Huntsville on Thursday the 9th, and then you have two road games at Pensacola, and then Peoria comes to town before the end of November, and you have a home-and-home home against Macon right after Thanksgiving. So you've got two three-week games before the end of November and then you have that weekend off to start off December where you can kind of hit the reset button before you get ready to you know, charge ahead for what's always a gauntlet of a schedule just when you talk about the, the volume of games that are played during the final three weekends of December because you usually have a couple of midweek games in there. You play the day after Christmas. You play the 22nd and the 23rd. Then you play the 29th. So, you know, December is such a big schedule. So you want to get some things figured out in advance of that, but... Yeah, that's why this weekend is so important for Knoxville because you, you know, have a a home and home against a quality Fayetteville team, and then you have to go play your first three and three of the season, and it's all on the road. So, how are guys going to be conditioned for that? What is the morale and confidence going to be like? So, a, a very important weekend for Fayette uh, for Knoxville coming up against Fayetteville this Friday and Saturday. I also wanted to wait an extra day to let you all know before releasing the podcast that for this. Friday night. It is Feeling 22, the Eras Night. You can all make the relation as to what I'm talking about, but the Ice Bears are Feeling 22 for their 22nd season, and we are giving away a pair of Taylor Swift concert tickets on Friday night. This Friday, November 3rd, against the Fayetteville Marksmen, two tickets to see Taylor Swift in Indianapolis next November. I know that's a long way off, but if you are a Taylor Swift fan, those are two tickets that you are going to want to have. So by playing Chuck-a-Puck this Friday night, that is an opportunity for you to win two Taylor Swift tickets to see her live in Indianapolis next November. That'll be at Lucas Oil Stadium where the Indianapolis Colts play. Uh, you do not want to miss your opportunity out on that. So tickets are available by calling 525-7825. You can also go to KnoxvilleIceBears.com and purchase your tickets through Ticketmaster. So you do not want to miss your opportunity to go see Taylor Swift live in concert. We are giving away a pair of tickets just by winning Chuck-a-Puck. And if you haven't played Chuck-a-Puck at an Ice Bears game before, this is a great time to do it because uh, obviously we have so many prizes that are available for all of our Chuck-a-Puck winners, but there is a big opportunity to play Chuck-a-Puck and win really big this Friday night for Feeling 22, the air is night. 
So again, this Friday, 735 at the Knoxville Civic Coliseum, and then Saturday at 6 o'clock in Fayetteville. Of course, you can catch the Road Game Watch Party at Union Place Bar and Grill. We'll have the calls for you on both games on 92.5 WKCE, the flagship station of the Knoxville Ice Bears, and on Flow Hockey, courtesy of Flow Sports. Again, I'm Joel Silverberg. Thank you so much for listening to the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast. Leave a five-star rating and review and tell an Ice Bears fan you know about the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast. Two games against Fayetteville this weekend, and then we get into a great three-game road trip the following week, and we'll have coverage for you through it all right here on the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast.